heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, another season player preview pod coming up for DeMontis Sabonis. But before we start, I should tell you, of course, that our presenting sponsor is SeatGeek. And that is even more important because today the Pacers tickets went on sale for the whole season. So be sure to use SeatGeek if you're going to buy tickets to any game as you can get $20 off your first purchase if you use the code LONBA. Now we're going to talk about DeMontis Sabonis with Brady Frantham from Thunder Digest. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Locked on Pacers podcast. Today, we are going to be doing the season preview for DeMontis Sabonis. And to join me, I have Brady Trantham from the Thunder Digest, as well as the host of the Peak and Roll podcast on. And this episode is special for me a little bit because Brady was the first ever person to have me on a podcast ever. So this is cool for me to be having him on. Uh, Brady, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Tony. And uh, I mean, Hey, you're moving up in the podcast world, man. You're right there. You're right there with me. It's uh, it's really fun once you get the hang of it. But yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of knew from that first show that we did together that you had a future in this. <laughs> we talked for like an hour or so about uh, the Wizards and he hosts How? the Thunder podcast. So comparing the Wizards and Thunder for an hour was a challenge, but we pulled it off. Exactly. But uh, you're you're plugged in with the Thunder, and you were last year, and that's why I have. Um, bringing you on to talk about DeMontis Sabonis, and uh, we kind of talked a little off air just now before this, but last year for the Thunder was kind of hard to judge any non-Russell Westbrook player just because he had such historic usage and no one else really had the ball as much. Uh, at least with Sabonis, you saw flashes of him being a good defender, so maybe we can uh, judge that a little bit, but uh, what were your impressions of Sabonis' season last year, Brady? Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said with the high usage rate, the triple-double chase, and basically everything just going through Russell Westbrook one way or another with the Thunder last year. It is pretty difficult to judge other players' seasons last year that were still on the roster with the Thunder, and obviously with Victor Oladipo and Sabonis, it's still kind of hard to, to judge their development. But like you said, Sabonis showed a lot of flashes last year of being a very capable offensive player, shooter even, being able to spread the floor here and there uh, defensively. Was always in the right spot, but just basically couldn't figure out how, you know, the transition from college officiating to NBA offici- officiating. And that's going to come with, come with time, especially defensively. Over the years, um, when uh, young players, they figure out the tricks of the trade, what you can get away with, what you can't get away with. So I think defensively, you're going to see a lot more development in Sabonis' game with the Pacers this year. Uh, but w- with him, I mean, the big knock on him is always has always been the same thing, and it's just his inability to use his left hand, um, right hand. or his right hand, excuse me, his off hand. <laughs> I should have said his off hand, his right hand. Um, if he if he is able to at least figure out a way to make defenders basically decide what way do you want to def- or force him, then he can become a really good um, he can become a really good player in this league. Um, I've always thought that his ceiling is a Pau Gasol type player, just a point forward. He has that capability and he has that athleticism. Um, he's very smart. He's a um, student of the game. But again, it's it's really going to hinge on how the Pacers are wanting to use him this year. I've always thought that the second year in a player's career is the biggest tell-all for their development, how their careers will go from there. So it's just going to depend on how the Pacers are going to want to use him. 
Yeah, you hit a lot of my cliff notes, especially with that right hand thing when we were going to get to. Uh, so that's nice. A little nice uh, lead in of what's going to happen. Uh, we need to do some background on Sabonis. Uh, first of all, of course, the Pacers acquired him in the most uh, famous trade of the offseason, possibly besides the Kyrie Irving trade of sending Paul George to the Thunder. Uh, Sabonis comes in and was probably the biggest asset the Pacers thought they acquired in the trade. He was drafted number 11 by the Magic last year, but was traded on draft night to the Thunder. Uh, he went to college at Gonzaga for two years or one year. I don't actually know the answer to that right off the top of my head. But uh, he's a taller power forward center type player, and uh, now he's on the Pacers, and you can kind of hope he's going to play a role of in that in that uh, bigger mold just because he's 6'11", and you'd like to see it with that. Um, so I thought when I was looking through his role with OKC and kind of his stats, I, it jumped off the page right away at me that he started off so hot from three and then kind of tapered off as the season went on. Is that uh, how you remember it going? Yeah, it all really kind of came to a head on that uh, that road game in December against the Boston Celtics where he hit, I think, four, four or five um, three-pointers uh, in one quarter. And I think he only missed one three-pointer that entire game. That was a huge reason why the uh, uh, Thunder were able to get an upset win on the road against the Celtics. And then ever after that game, he was pretty stagnant. He didn't really have another game where he would hit two or three three-pointers in a single game. And it was just really apparent, especially when you've got a point guard like Russell Westbrook. I can understand as a young player, it's probably a little intimidating to even shoot because if you miss a wide open shot, you know, you're going to get that that infamous Russell snarl, snarl headed your way. And Sabonis was always a player that, I mean, Royce Young that covers the Thunder, uh, Brett Dawson that covers the Thunder as well. They all noticed this. Uh, Sabonis was pretty much the Mario Chalmers for um, uh, Russell Westbrook last year. He was the scapegoat. And after that Celtics game, it just seemed like not only did Sabonis' shooting fall off, his confidence fell off a ton. Um, I don't know how many times I would see him get get a ball wide open at the top of the three-point line and just basically fake and dribble forward while the defender didn't even bite on the fake. So he would basically dribble right into the defense and Russell would just scream at him to shoot. And if his confidence is, if his confidence is high, he's got a great stroke. He, he shoots a really good, um, he's got a really good arch to his shot. He has all the tools necessary to be a really good shooter um, for his size. It's just going to come down to his confidence. Yeah, that's uh that's interesting. You say that, that that's kind of what I was noticing too. And I did notice him do that pump fake a lot. Uh, I also thought it was interesting. Uh, he started 66 games, which, I don't know if the plan was to inflate his value, but I'm sure when you just look at his stats on paper, it looks great that he started in 66 games and he was seventh on the team in minutes, right? So would he would he start and then come out for uh, you know either Taj Gibson or Jamie Grant? Is that usually how it went down? Yeah, he would start and then Canner would come in pretty early. Uh, oh, Kanner, just, yeah. yeah, pretty much considering if uh, Sabonis got in foul trouble early, which happened pretty frequently, um, Canner would come in pretty quick. But yeah, as soon as the Taj Gibson trade went down at the trade deadline last February – uh, Sabonis was relegated to the bench and then really his his playing time overall just really diminished um, especially into the playoffs where I he only had brief appearances if I can remember correctly and it, I mean it's kind of sad considering against the Rockets even Ennis Cantor didn't play that much you really can't play Cantor against teams like the Rockets and Sabonis didn't really find his spot on the floor in the playoffs but you know again he's a rookie he's a rookie he was a rookie on a on a, on a really weird team, it was such a weird situation that the Thunder found themselves in. And it's not just because of Russell Westbrook, but everything. Like, you kind of just throw everything you saw last year out of everybody outside of Russell Westbrook kind of out the window. I mean, I don't want to 
stick too much on the Thunder, but for example, a lot of people were disappointed with Steven Adams' development last year, especially after the uh, playoff performance against the Warriors that he showed the year prior. But again, it was such a weird, um, weird season. Kevin Durant left, and the Thunder basically had no identity outside of Russell Westbrook. They didn't have time to grab another player in free agency, so it was just the Russell Westbrook train. And I, I, I tossed a bonus in that on that train as well. Um, if, if you're going to sit there as a Pacers fan and watch, you know, game film on Sabonis last year, take it with a grain of salt. This guy has talent and capability. Yeah, I, I do like a lot of the things I saw. I wrote the our, our 8.9 seconds. I wrote our love-hate series piece on Sabonis, and I kind of liked from him and just his general potential was something to like. But you hit something I hit in the hate section, which I was going to save this for later, but I would want to just talk about it now since you said it, and that's his fouling. Oh my gosh, this guy fouls so much. He had four and a half fouls for 36 minutes. So if he plays 30 minutes, he's basically going to be sitting some of the game just because he fouls so much. You can say that's like because he's a rookie post player and he doesn't know the defense that well, and that's fine and dandy, but that is a lot of fouls. He fouls so much, and he also, in turn, doesn't get to the foul line a ton. I think at one point in the year, uh, one point in the year, he hadn't been to the foul line in over two in two months. Yeah, I saw that too when uh, when I was looking through it, and it was just interesting. But we'll hit his strengths and weaknesses a little more right now I guess those that was my biggest weakness was fouling but I I guess besides potential which is it's tough to say that that is your uh your love on a player but I was very impressed with his defense you know he's he's super mobile for a 6'11 guy and I, I think that's really nice but I would like to see that used more at center uh did you notice his rim protecting being strong for uh someone of his elk well I mean like I said he's a really smart player so defensively he was he was constantly in the right right spot. He was always in position to make the play. It was just a matter of he didn't necessarily understand the um, NBA officiating game, what you can get away with and what you couldn't. So veteran bigs would really take advantage of that. And then also, I mean, again, this this is a kid that came out of college, so the physicality isn't going to be there. And again, in year two, you would hope that he's probably hit the gym a lot more so he can kind of bang with those with those vet bigs more and more so. And if he's if he's able to bulk up, basically, um, I'm supremely confident he can become a really good rim protector given the athleticism that he possesses. Yeah, I agree with all that. Uh, but I think the weaknesses list is is a, is a tough focus just because, like you said, it was such a weird team. But he didn't shoot too well at the rim, only 55% from zero to three feet, which is not exactly what you want to see. I don't know if the Thunder had the wrong spacing for him or just that he was playing the four more than the five, so he didn't. You know, like wasn't getting as many post plays or whatever, but he just wasn't uh, the best finisher through him ever. And then we already touched on the failing, but the biggest one to me is that every time he'd get the ball thrown to him in the post, he was going left. And the defender knew it, and it made it so easy to stop him. And that probably has so much to do with his poor percentage shooting at the rim. Exactly. And you kind of said it about two, about two minutes ago, um, spacing. There was absolutely no spacing on this Thunder team last year. It, again, it was just Russell Westbrook. Um, they were the worst three-point shooting team in the league. Uh, there wasn't a lot of room to roam around unless you're a vet and you know it and you know the tricks and you know what to do. And Sabonis is a rookie and therefore didn't know what he was doing half the time. And it really showed. And especially when uh, defenders scouted him and realized he cannot go right, it made it incredibly easy to stop him to the point where he would just basically get the ball and throw it back out to Russell or somebody else and just kind of became useless offensively for a, a stint of time. 
Hey guys, a quick break from talking about DeMontis Sabonis so I can tell you guys about SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one ticket aggregating site around. What SeatGeek does that other ticket aggregating sites do is one, it tells you the value of your ticket based on the pricing and how, the, how good the view is and where it is in the stadium compared to other tickets and gives your ticket a score, which is really nice because you can tell how good your seat is, even if it's more or less expensive than others. And two, there's no hidden fees. The price you see is the price you're going to pay for the ticket, and it is the best ticket aggregating site around if you ask me. And if you use SeatGeek on your phone or your laptop or your tablet or whatever and use the code LONBA at checkout, you'll get a $20 rebate off your first purchase. So I highly recommend you use SeatGeek because it's great and you can get money back. Now back to the show. Okay, this kind of ties into his role really nicely to me because uh, the expected role for him is kind of the backup uh, center, interestingly enough, because he didn't play as much at center last season. So that's going to be good for him, I feel like, because if he's against a weaker matchup, he can, A, work on that getting that left hand a little bit more proficient, and B, you know, kind of practice going right against weaker defenders or work on other skills like passing and post moves. Yeah, and with his athleticism, if he if he gets a favorable matchup, he'll be able to work on the uh, facets of his game that he needs to improve on. And if the Pacers are able to put him in a position to do that, it'll do all the better for his development. Um, I'm pretty confident because – while the Pacers don't have the most talented roster, they've got a very balanced roster, especially in their starting five. So if Sabonis is able to play with some starters uh, consistently, uh, because because he's so damn smart, I, I just I'm really confident that he'll be able to improve a lot of the deficiencies in his game. Yeah, and uh, you you kind of nail that his smart thing, and he can be playing with the starters. And what I think he also has that he can bring to the team is we've. We've hit on a little bit as he's pretty good defensively as well. I've seen a nice clip of him, and I, I clipped it and put it in an article the other day of him blocking Paul Pierce really badly. He stays with him on the drive and everything. And, you know, maybe he can get some run with the starters at the four playing some good D, or, you know, he can come into the bench unit and be the only good front court player on D for the bench. And I, I'm hoping he can step into that role at least pretty nicely. Yeah, and again, he's he's going to be a prototypical four in, in the NBA these days. Uh, just the ability – the ability that he has to stretch the floor if he's on and he has confidence, um, it, it's going to go a long way for for the Pacers if they're able to um, keep him. And, you know, it's been kind of said a few times here and there, and I keep thinking how interesting it is, especially if, let's, let's just say, you know, Paul George ends up going to the Lakers like everybody is assuming will happen. Uh, let's say Let's say Paul George goes to the Lakers. And Sabonis turns into a really nice player. This could end up being the Demontis Sabonis trade to a lot of people, and not the Paul George disaster. What the hell is Indiana doing? Trade. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you on that. And and the fact that him and Oladipo will be around for you know four plus years means I think that's almost more likely. And I think both teams kind of had to do this trade just because I don't know if the Thunder wanted to go forward with. With Oladipo and Sabonis not knowing about the future of Russell Westbrook, but at the same time, the Pacers did not want to go forward and lose Paul George for nothing. So it kind of makes sense to call the Paul George trade now, but I think you're totally right that in the future it could look completely different. And because I just said Victor Oladipo, I might as well talk about this too for the Sabonis role. Because he's not starting and Oladipo is, I don't know how much they'll play together, but I kind of hope it's a lot because last year when they played together, their net rating was three, but when Sabonis played without Oladipo, his net rating was minus 4.6. I don't know if they just had a lot of chemistry or if they, it was just because they were in the starting lineup a lot together, but you know, basically being 7.6 points per 100 possessions better playing with a player is very encouraging. Yeah, and it probably has a lot to do with the fact that Oladipo is 
I don't mean passive in a way that it's a a, a negative um, slight against his game. I just I mean that he's more he's more capable of understanding who's hot, who's not, uh, more so than I think Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook is just a freight train. He he will often force things that don't that shouldn't work on paper and they shouldn't work logically, but a lot of the times he makes it happen and he makes it work because he's Russell Westbrook. But I mean, yeah, Oladipo and Sabonis had a really nice chemistry for a good stretch of the year. Um, it was something that when Russell would get off the floor and Oladipo would um, not necessarily take the ball up the, up the court, but would still facilitate the offense with the second unit and Sabonis as well. They had a, kind of a nice thing going. So you'd hope that because they were packaged both in this trade that they can continue that chemistry with the Pacers. Yeah, I hope that too. And uh, I was trying to think of guys I just thought Sabonis would fit well with. And of course, I had to start with Depot just because of what we just talked about. But it's challenging because his skills are so unique and discernible and hard to really read from that one year to say who he's really going to be good with. I think Bojan Bogdanovich is a guy I think he'll be good with just because they're kind of opposite players and that Bojan is a super effective shooter but a horrible defender. And Sabonis is a little better on the defensive end and hopefully can be a little more of a post guy this year. But beyond that, I haven't really thought of anyone he's necessarily a bad or good fit with just because, you know, it's a really hard to get a read on him. Yeah, and it, it, getting a read on them is exactly the problem that Pacers fans are going to ha- going to have when trying to project how Sabonis is going to fit into their roster. Just basically what we said for like the last 15, 20 minutes and how it's so, so hard to really look at last year and evaluate Sabonis uh, fairly, I, I believe. And it, again, it's nothing against Russell Westbrook. It's nothing against how the Thunder played last year. It's just circumstances kind of forced their hand into what eventually happened. And... With Sabonis, because the roster, like I said, with um, Indiana is fairly balanced, I think you're going to see a nice development. At least you're going to see Sabonis. You know, he'll have a stretch of a few nice games that he might drop some negative games here and there, but he'll continue to climb, I believe, um, other than how last year where he had a nice little development into December and then kind of tailed off and became stagnant the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think he will improve as well, and I – I didn't really ever say this earlier. I should have gotten into his stats from last year, but I kind of want to project how he's going to look this year before we talk a little bit about more about the Thunder. And because his role is so hard to predict, I'm not really sure how I'm going to go about this. But for a baseline, last year his stats in 20 minutes a game, he scored six points, grabbed three boards, or excuse me, three and a half boards and had one assist. Uh, I really think he's going to play more than 20 minutes. I think he's going to be that third big man in a in a big man rotation and get you know maybe 24, 25 minutes, just the natural growth of a young kid. And I'm hoping he's scoring, you know, I'm, I'm going to think it's going to be around eight points a game just because he'll be a little better at shooting and just have that extra year in the league to, you know, get all that better. And rebounding, I think, will go up too because, A, the Pacers are going to be horrific at rebounding and need people to grab them, and B, he'll just be playing more minutes. So uh, I'm going to go with the same number of one assists and eight points and four rebounds. Uh, you think that's going to be close to right, or maybe am I going to be too excited about his scoring? I think if the Pacers really like him in the preseason enough to um... – basically give him those 20 those 20 plus minutes a night then yeah i think that's incredibly uh, possible for sabonis um like i said you you it's probably safe to assume that a player's physical development from year one to year two is is going to happen it's likely basically it's likely that sabonis is bulked up in some ways uh, in an effort to keep up with some of the more physical bigs in the league and if he's able to do that then he, he's an incredible trash player he doesn't mind getting his nose dirty it just it a lot of times it was just a matter of he got boxed out because he just wasn't uh, physically capable of beating the beating the uh, the opponent. 
So if he's able to get a little bit more physical, yeah, the rebounds are going to go up significantly, I believe. Yeah, the, the only thing that I hope decreases is his uh, fouls, <laughs> as, we oh, talked, yeah. Yeah. as we talked about earlier. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that's another reason why it's so hard to evaluate him because he basically – he would start a lot of games, like you said, 66 games, but he didn't play that much in those in those starts because he was just in foul trouble simply. Yeah, that's exactly. It's a tough read to get. Um, with the shooting percentages, I'm hoping his three-point percentage can get to that Mendoza line of 33% from deep. You know, he showed signs of being able to do that, and it dropped off. So it's kind of hard to read uh, what's the bonus you can expect, the early season one or the long, throughout the season one. But everything else I think will be about the same, you know, 45% inside, 65%, 70% from the line, which is, you know, pretty typical big man stats. So, you know, if he can keep those up, he might be a nice fit in the rotation. Yeah, exactly. And he's that's basically what he's probably going to be for the next year or two, unless he if he if he's able to take that meteoric step, which I think he's capable of and be a Pau Gasol type power forward in the league. That'll come obviously in year four or five if it happens. But he's going to be a nice rotational player. He's going to give you a lot of things that uh, the um, coaches are going to enjoy in practice and in games. I mean, there's going to be plenty of Things that coaches are going to scratch their heads over, of course, because he still is a young player. But overall, he brings a good basketball pedigree, obviously, with his father in the um, in the world of basketball. Um, he's a student of the game, like I said, comes from a very good basketball background at Gonzaga. Um, he uh, Basically, there's a lot of things to like about Sabonis, and especially his development, considering how young he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he's uh, an integral part of this trade, and I... I think we'll have a telling season with him just playing in a, in a not more organized basketball way role. That's not fair to say, but more uh, more cohesive with more plays run for everybody and less uh, one guy running the whole show. And that's a nice segue into uh, what I want to close with is uh, Brady, as I said earlier, is a writer for Thunder Digest and I believe was at Media Day and saw Paul George, our old darling. Uh, Brady, how excited are you for this season? Man, it's it's incredibly exciting to be able to cover not just the reigning MVP, Russell Westbrook, but two other incredible top 15, top 20 players in the world and Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. It's, uh, you know, I was a little bit more um, used to the fact that Paul George, you know, plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, that trade went down a few months ago, so it's been in our heads for the last for over the summer and but still, seeing him in a Thunder jersey next to Paul, um, next to Russell Westbrook was still really odd. And then you throw Carmelo Anthony in the mix, and it just felt like this isn't real. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to cover three top 15, top 20 players in the world, and it's it's incredibly exciting. Uh, the Thunder, they went from maybe improving a little bit here and there, but still being uh, quite a step back from the Warriors and even the Spurs and the Rockets out west to being they're right there in the thick of it. Um, in terms of trying to chase the Warriors. So it looks to be an exciting season, and I'm very thankful I get to cover the team. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. They're definitely going to be one of my league pass teams now. Um, I just I think Paul George is a really nice fit there. Uh, I heard a lot of discussions today about what the, people think his role step back is going to be. I'm not sure how big it'll be. It obviously will have to be a little bit, but I'm not sure how big it'll be. But I think he's kind of a perfect fit there just because, like Roberson, he can defend on the wing, and he – probably be the best three-point shooter on the team and he's really good coming off screens it can set up everyone else on the team I just think he's going to be so useful yeah and he, uh, yesterday, yesterday in practice Paul George even said something like this that um like you like you said that really stuck out to me and uh he's incredibly open to being staggered um by Billy Donovan I mean 
Uh, in Billy Donovan's first year with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, they really um, once they started staggering, they really found success deep into the season and then into the postseason. Uh, we all know how that kind of ended. <laughs> but when you have not just Russ and Paul George, but also Carmelo Anthony, um, Paul yesterday at practice said that he expects at least two of the big three to be on the floor at the same time or any given time during a game. So it's going to be incredibly exciting, exciting to see the versatility, the scoring, and the, even with the with Paul George and Andre Robertson both on the same team, the defensive capability of this team. Yeah, I'd be shocked if they weren't uh, the number one defense this year. I wrote about uh, the fit of everybody at NBA Matt this week. I, I just think it's um, incredible. You know, the defensive center, the scoring wings, the spot up of Melo. Russ is everything. Roberson's the perfect complement to the starting lineup. Pat Pat's the perfect sixth man. I mean, I just – I think PG's getting in a nice situation. I think the Thunder are going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, and, you know, you say all that, but it, it is important to remember that Carmelo Anthony is on this team. So as, as, much, as much of a defensive uh, dream you want to have, I mean – Carmo, for for all of his greatness, is not necessarily known for his defense. And even even though Russell has the capability to be a great defender, because he's so hundred ten percent on offense, he'll he'll often take possessions off. So I'm sure they'll they they will balance out to around a top ten defense. I don't know about top five just yet. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I think we've hit a little too much thunder, but I will close with I think giving up Cantor and McDermott for Melo is addition by subtraction on defense for them. So I think that that might work out. And then I was watching some Alex Sabrina's clips the other day, and I think he has the best form and best-looking jump shot in the entire NBA. But uh, that's not Pacers talk. We had a lot of Pacers talk. We had a lot of fun talking about Sabonis. Brady, thanks so much for coming on, man. Hey, Tony, thanks for uh, having me on. I really appreciate it and uh, love listening to the show, of course. I'm proud that you got your gig going, and I'm looking forward to some more uh, NBA coverage with you as the season goes on. Yeah, and if you guys want to follow Paul George and uh, Brady Sunder, um, he is the blog is at thunder underscore digest. I don't know what the podcast Twitter handle is. Does it have one at the moment? Yeah, we don't have a we don't necessarily have a Twitter account for the podcast itself. Uh, we actually I think took the underscore away on Twitter, so it's oh, just man. yeah, it's just at thunder digest. Yeah, it just happened like a month ago. Okay. Big deal, I, big deal. I know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just um, check out the website, everybody. Um, we got a lot of great writers. Um, I'm at practice every day, so we got a lot of good video content as well from players. Um, the podcast you can find on iTunes or SoundCloud. It's just a uh, peak and roll, uh, P-E-A-K-E, because the Thunder play in the Chesapeake Arena. So there's your little pun for the day. Uh, peak and roll podcast. And uh, we have a lot of fun with it. And uh, we appreciate any love or criticism that we get coming our way. Yep. Uh, you guys should uh, keep up with Brady's season goes on and keep up with his podcast and blog. And Brady, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, everybody have a great weekend. And I hope you enjoyed uh, us talking about DeMontis Sabonis.